Since I was thinking about, about this message uh, this morning, well, you know, in the last couple of days, I just thought, what if Jesus were to ask you a question, Pindai? What if Jesus were to ask you a question, like right now, right here, what if he were to say to you, Pindai, what are the things in your life concerning me, in other words, concerning God, that you have been previously zealous for, but have died down, and you want me to resurrect? What would those things be? What would those things be? As I thought about this, I thought, you know what? You know what? What would those things be? No, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I was thinking, what are the things that are probably in your heart concerning God that you actually want rekindled? You know they used to be there. You know you were passionate about those things. What are they? So if Jesus were to say to you, you know what, for the next 30 minutes or for the next 15 minutes, I just want to rekindle those things, those passions, those desires in your heart. What will they be? What will they be? What are the things that you were previously passionate about that you want to see come back to life? What in your heart that you want God, the things you want God to set ablaze in your life? Particularly when we are coming out of a situation, or rather we are in a situation, you know, that's, that's just happened with COVID. Where so many dreams have probably died. Where people have been disappointed. Where the unexpected has, has happened. And so when these things happen, inevitably they can affect our view of God. They can affect how we see God. So what are those things? Is it a passion for prayer? Is it a passion for prayer? If the people who live with you, those who live with people in, in, in your household, if they were to say to you or look at your life and say, you know what, 18 months ago, the way you used to pray, the way you used to stand in prayer is not quite the same. What is happening now? Is that true for you? Is it a passion for, him, for the word of God? To what extent are you really in the word of God? Is it maybe a desire for deepened intimacy with God? What is it? What are those things? Or maybe you would like your faith restored in certain areas in your life. Could that be true for you? Or maybe when you look at your life currently, you can actually say, you know what? If I want to be truthful to myself, my life is actually an autopilot. You know, the, the plane is kind of like just flying and you've, you've lost the drive, literally and metaphorically. You're just, you're just waking up. You know, life is just happening around you. And so what would you say to Jesus if he were to ask you those quick questions? COVID happened, rocked up into this world. It made a surprise entry. Lockdown surfaced in all forms of levels. Businesses were impacted. Face-to-face -face church services were, were stopped. Income diminished. People lost their jobs. And so when these things happen, it's so easy that sometimes discouragement will just creep in or will just lose our hope. 
So the title of my message this morning is Rising to New Dimensions in Christ. How many of you would like to rise to new dimensions in Christ? How many of you would like to say, Easter 2022, I'd like to be in a better place than I am now. I'd like to be in a better understanding of the things of God than I do now. I'd like to be in new dimensions, Easter by Easter 2022, 21, 21 plus one, 22, than I am right now. So what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at how we can rise to new dimensions in Christ. But before we do that, the way the message is structured is we are going to look at some characteristics or some standards of God that are unique, unique character uh, standards of God uh, that will help us, that when we look at they will help us uh, rise to those new dimensions in Christ. Then after that, we're going to explore or unpack about five tools. It's not an exhaustive list. list. I've just chosen five, an exhaust, uh, uh, five tools that if we employ and um, will help us rise to these dimensions that we want. And then finally, we're going to go into a, um, we are going to conclude the message with just some powerful declarations. Amen. Amen. Are you looking forward to that? Yes. So we need, the first thing we need to understand is that God has got unique standards. What does that mean? It actually means that he is not like us. The fact that is God, you know, it should actually tell us by, 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 by itself. He is not like us. He's got exceptional, exceptional values. And not only does he have exceptional values, but these are values that he lives by. These are values that he upholds. These are values that, that are unchanging. He's not the kind of God that in the 18th century was something else that is not in the 21st century. God's standards are unchangeable. He lives by them and he upholds them. And so if we are to understand and become more and more like him and be conformed to the image of the Son, we need to know what those standards are. If we look at Isaiah 57 from verse 15, Isaiah shares with us some credentials of God. And it reads, For thus says... The high and lofty one, right there, right there. It means he's actually high. He says in a high place, one who inhabits eternity. He inhabits all of eternity, not part of it, but he inhabits all of eternity, whose name is holy. So Isaiah introduces this particular verse and, and, and says to the, to the people of Israel, the God that we worship is actually high and lofty. He inhabits eternity. His name is holy. He is the epitome of holiness. He is without spot or, or, or blemish. And so he's the epitome of holiness. He's without spot or blemish. Blemish. The Bible goes on to say that um, he dwells in a high and holy place. I dwell in a high and holy place. And actually prior to this, one about Isaiah 6, he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. So he dwells in a high and holy place. But he says, I dwell, even though I dwell in that place, I don't dwell with everybody. 
Not everybody is with me. There is a specific type of person. There is a specific breed of person. There is a specific caliber of person who dwells with me in this high and holy place. And that person knows something about a contrite heart, a humble spirit, so that I can revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. So what it tells me is God is saying, even though I'm this, which we probably not, or which we probably haven't attained. Even though I'm high and holy, I inhabit eternity, I dwell in a high place. But do you know what? There is a possibility that if you follow certain standards, if you walk with me in a particular way, you will dwell with me. And what does that take? It takes a contrite heart. What does a contrite heart talk about? It talks about a, a nothingness, a humility, a brokenness, and God says, if you are with that, then we're together. If you are like that, then we're together in that particular place. In Psalm 34, 18, it reinforces this. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and say such as of a contrite spirit. But, 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 but then what it also tells us or shows us is that the, it means that God is also not near to other people, hey? Let's not con, let's just say the Bible as it is. If he says he's near to those with a broken heart, it means he's not near to another type of person. In Psalm 51, um, verse 17, David says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These things you will not, you will not despise. Does that not tell us that there are certain things God despises? He says, but these things, Lord, you will not despise. These are the things that matter to him. In Isaiah 6, verse 2, it says, But on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So it means that there's another type of person that God does not see. There are people God does not observe. There are people God does not focus on. They're probably people God does not remember. But he says, on this one will I look. You want me, you want, how many of you want God to look at you? God says, if you want me to look at you, then you've got to be poor in spirit. You've got to have a contract spirit. And you have to tremble at my word. It does not stop there in Isaiah 55, 8, 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not, no, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your thoughts than your thoughts. And I know that often we think that, hey, we got the greatest thoughts, we got the greatest strategies about our lives, you know. Our, our lives are method, method, methodically laid out. We like to think um, like that concerning our lives. But here, God is basically saying, you know what, you know what, uh, Vim, with due respect, the way my mind is configured is not quite the way that your mind is configured. That's quite humbling, you know. The way my mind is figured is not quite the way yours might be fig uh, configured. The way I roll might not necessarily the way you roll. What goes down in your world, what might go down in your, in, in your world is not essentially what is acceptable in my hood. That is basically what God is saying. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. So God says to us, you know what, I know you guys love me. I know you love me, but you know what? Not everybody necessarily communes with me at the same level. Not everybody necessarily has a deep revelation of me. Not everyone necessarily rightly perceives me, except, except, except the person with a pure heart. I want to ask you this morning, what is the level of the purity of your heart? What is the level of the purity of your thoughts? What is the level of the purity of your mind or your life? Because unless, I didn't say it, unless you are pure in heart, forget about seeing God. That's basically his word there. So my question to you this morning is, by what standards are you living your life? Whose values are you emulating? By what standards are you living your life? Whose values are you, are you emulating? I'm reminded of um, Psalm um, 15. And in there, David asks the question, Lord, who can abide in your, in your tabernacle? Who can dwell in your holy hill? And then it goes on to say, he walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against a friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears by his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put his money to usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, and does the he who does these things shall never be moved. I'm reminded about an incident I had uh, about two, three weeks ago. I was dealing with uh, one of our ex external stakeholders at work. Now, most of you, you would know, nowadays with WhatsApp, you are in a group for everything. You are in a group for this campaign. You are in a group for this meeting. You are in a group for whatever. So many groups on our WhatsApp. So I happen to be in, in, in this one WhatsApp group with one of our key uh, external stakeholders. And what happened in that space, I remember it was a Friday, this guy, you know, lovely guy, I like him, get on well together, we work well together. He basically sent a message, something in the WhatsApp group like people are in the habit of doing. But unfortunately, the message was vile. It wasn't even a little bit vile. It was actually vile. It was vulgar. And the moment I saw it, you know, like when you read part of it and you tell yourself, I'm not even going to continue. This particular scripture, Psalm 15, actually stood out to me because I then remembered that, you know what, the ethical ideals of God are not of this world. And if I'm to fall and rise to new dimensions in Christ, I really have to pursue those ethical ideals that I see in the Bible. So I just decided, you know what, in fact, a couple of seconds later, he actually deleted. But before that, people had sent all kinds of emojis. You know it. Don't look at me like these things don't happen in your WhatsApp group. You know? So and I was like, this is a this is because I I want to live by a certain standard. I want to live by the ethical ideals of God. I want to live by the ways of God. And no matter how small, you know, or big the situation, I still live by that. So by what standards are you living your life? What values are you emulating? Whose values are you emulating? 
in, in your life. So how do we... Thank you. Yeah? So how do we rise to new dimensions in Christ? Here are some of the ways. Number one, we've got to aggressively desire more of God. You know, I try to look for a soft, you know, adjective. Aggressively is an adjective that my English teacher will be very impressed with me. So I try to look for a softer, you know, adjective. And then I just thought, you know what? If I really want high standards in, the, in Christ, I'm just going to be aggressive about it. I'm just going to be aggressive about him. So the first tool we're going to look at is aggressively desire more of God. Here's the reality. You cannot become what you don't desire. You cannot become what you don't desire. You cannot effectively achieve what you don't passionately pursue. We know this. There are things of God in God that if we are going to fully partake of, we need to then actively seek after him. Amen. Amen. There are depths and there are wells in God that are only reached when we actually drill, like you know, like you, you, you would with all those oil drilling machines. Not that I you know I've seen them, but I think on TV, you know. So there are wells that we're gonna have to dig deep into if we're really going to uh, uh, um, achieve um, new dimensions in Christ. So we've got to desire more of God. In Acts, um, in Acts 13, verse 12, it says, He raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. David was a man after God's heart. I don't know what your heart is after. But David was a man after God's heart. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I like this verse in the NLT. It says, Ask of me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets that you do not know about things to come. How many of you would like to know, they're not just the secrets, but the remarkable secrets of God? How many of you would want to be in that place? But God says, yes, I'm prepared to do that. I'm prepared to let you in, into my life, show you, tell you, intel, whatever it is. I want to show you great and remarkable secrets, but before you can do that, you've got to call on to me. Before you can do that, you've got to ask me. How many of you are in that place where you say, you know what, in all aspects of God, in all aspects concerning my life, I actually do call out to God? Or do you do that when you're only in trouble? Or do you do that once every three weeks? Or do you do that, you know, when something happens in your life? God says, call to me. I will answer you. I will tell you remarkable secrets that you do not know. Um, Secrets you do not know about things to come. I am uh, uh, last week there were a couple of guys in our in our um, CrossFit class at gym. Okay, I'm trying to show that I do. Okay, I'm, you know my, my, my body might not be there. I might not be that muscular, but I'm doing something about it, guys. But just 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 be with me. <laughs> Who feels me in this place? So there were these guys in our CrossFit class, and they did. Um, Expedition Africa. How many of you have heard of that? Yeah. 
I, I, all I know is something I will not do. You know? <laughs> it's got mountain biking and you've got a couple of hours to do it. It's just, it's just one, of those, one of those things. One of the guys in my, in my class um, uh, as well, he's a professional mountaineer. Pro, pro, not, not, you know, I've got time, I'm going on holiday. Professional mountaineer. This guy does the real deal, hey? He does Mount Kilimanjaro. He does Mount um, uh, Everest. And the sad thing is always training next to me. So usually there's a and I'm like, Lord, I, I get it. Okay, I, I get it. I mean, when we do thrusters, and then the coach says, you know, our coach Wade says, okay, guys, you need to be increasing weights. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this, this, this is the, uh, so, so they, do, they, do, they do these things, you know, they are things that we're passionate about, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong to pursue things you like in certain seasons, etc. That's okay, but can you imagine, think for a minute, if you were to take maybe even just half the energy, half the time, half the commitment that you place in other things and were to divert it into formulating a strategy that makes you better in Christ, a strategy that makes you rise to new dimensions in Christ, where will you be? Where will you be? I was thinking last night, we've got a cousin, my sister will tell you, we've got a cousin, and he, he um, he's studying professional, you know, I've heard of people who study music, that's fine, I get it, okay, I accept that, but this guy is studying to be a professional, you know, like opera music, I don't know, what, what, what is the real term called? That, 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 that thing, you know, and so when, I, when he was telling me about it about a year ago at a family wedding, I'm thinking, dude, skin color, you know, in, you know, I'm thinking, and I really wanted to say to him, you know what, in our family, in our tribe, you know, we, we don't, I've never heard of this, and I'm thinking, I really, I really wanted to say, why, why can't you do it as a side hustle? You really want to make a profession out of, out of this, you know? And so, and so, last year, the whole of last year, he was in Zambia, because it turns out, in the region, the grade of music of this thing, what that he was studying, you know, was could only be taught by a Japanese lady who was residing in Zambia. So you know what he did? He decided to go and spend a year in, in Zambia. And I thought that is impressive. Just so he can he can be taught by the by the best. And I'm thinking my conception of of music is, you know, do re mi fa so la ti do. You see, that is where it commences and that is where it concludes. But I was really impressed just by his passion for these things, you know. And, and then I remember uh, sometime last year, I, I saw something, uh, I listened to something on classical music, you know, on, on YouTube. So I decided to send him the clip. It was about four minutes, you know. And um, so I, uh, I sent him uh, this, this particular um, clip on, um, on, 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 on this thing, you know, and what I was really trying to do was to show him that, you know what, I'm trying, I'm one person in the family was really tr trying to get into, the, into, into your world, you know, I really thought it was a great classical piece, so, so anyway, he, returned, he, he, he responds to my WhatsApp and listen to what he says. You listen to this four-minute clip, right? So I expected to get an emoji, you know, like, oh, thanks, cool. And then he sends this. Those are different techniques. 
that were perfected into one uniform craft. Who constructs such a sentence? <laughs> Who constructs such a sentence? And I'm thinking in all my years, and I'm like, where, you know, where all the, who constructs such a sentence? Those are different techniques that were perfected into one uniform craft. He is a man passionate about something in his life. To what extent are you passionate about the things of God? I want to encourage us to be a people. I want to encourage us to be a, pre, uh, a people to, to, to pray for a knowing of God that no one and nothing can take away. A depth in him which knows no bounds, which knows no limitations, to go all out for the Lord. I want to encourage us to be a people, a church, you know, who pray and ask God for a revelation and illumination of him that cannot that cannot be shut down. Amen. Amen. My question to you this morning is what is your personal prayer of consecration or allegiance to the Lord? What is your personal prayer of consecration or allegiance to the Lord? What is it? What is it? What do you tell God about commitments, about deep and intimacy? What do you say? What do you pray? You see, there are things that we can do corporately as a church, in a cell group. There are things that we can do corporately. But sometimes in the Lord, the crux of the matter is there are certain things that you can only reach out to as an individual. What is your personal prayer of consecration or allegiance to the Lord? Jesus had many. One of them in John 4 verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of God, the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I don't know what your food is. In Psalm 27, 4, David says, one thing I have desired, just one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the Lord, to behold the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. What's the one thing you have desired? What's the one thing you have desired in, in, in the Lord? And in, in Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That I may know him and the power of his uh, resurrection. That was Paul's heart. I don't know what, what your heart, what your desire is. I was looking at my prayer journal and I'm really impressed by myself because I, I was a, I've never been a prayer journal person. But I noticed in the last two, three years I've been getting prayer journals for my birthday present. So I thought maybe, maybe, you know, with God you must just listen always, you know. Oh, so I thought maybe God really wants to take me through a season and a journey of learning to journal. And I found it incredible. I want to encourage you to do that. 11 of March 2020, last year, I remember I went to my journal this last few days and I noticed I'd written something and I'd absolutely forgotten about it. And here is I wrote, there's something that I wrote. I said, Lord, there is a revelation of intimacy in you and there are places of intimacy in you. I want both. Lord, accelerate me in the revelation of the mysteries of my season. Exactly a year ago. Exactly a year, a, a, a year ago. 
I know we all love Psalm 91, you know, verse, um, uh, the Psalm 91, and often we read it in the context of uh, protection, but it says something in verse 1 to 3. He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And what I like when you study that particular verse, when you study it further, you find that when it's talking about that secret place there, it's talking about a place of exclusivity in God. Do you want to be in that place? It's talking about a place of protection, hiddenness, security, and absolute trust in him. A place of hiddenness even during tough times. Here's my question to you. What is your personal strategy for rising to new dimensions in Christ? Not what you think your spouse wants, not what you think your family or your pastors or your colleagues or whatever, your friends, but what is your personal strategy for rising to new dimensions in Christ? And if you don't have it, you know, I, I, I don't have a fool, you know, need to work on it. I want to encourage us to, to really come to that place or to where we open ourselves to allow God to lay in us a befitting foundation that will sustain our call, his call for our lives. Amen. Amen. The second um, the second two is develop a lifestyle of unwavering faith. I read a book last year and I still refer to it from time to time. It's a book by Smith Wigglesworth. It's called Smith Wigglesworth or Wigglesworth of Prayer, Power and Miracles. And if, if you really want to be encouraged in the whole area of, of faith and power gifts, I really, that's one book I, I recommend. But here's what he says in that book. He says, whatever we may think about it, it is true that we are no better than our faith. Whatever we may think about it, it is true that we are no better than our faith. Whatever your estimation is of your own ability, of your own righteousness, of your work in any, of your work in any way, you are no better than, than, than your life. And when I read about that, I really started thinking about, you know, what exactly does my faith look like? You know, he would talk, I mean, he tells stories. Often when we think about somebody like Smith Wigglesworth, we think, oh, he used to, to minister in stadiums and so on. No, no, no. A lot of the things he did, especially in the areas of miracles, signs, and wonders, you would actually be called in and, and do these things within people's homes. He tells different stories. The one time, he says he walked into, he was called in, then he went to this house, and he says, the first thing, as I walked into this house, I, sp I smelled things. You know, our pastor Trent often talks about spiritual smells, and he says, I smelled two things. There was unbelief, it was a smell, a scent of unbelief, and it was a scent of death. What sense, smells of unbelief are you smelling around your life? What sense, smells of unbelief are you, of death, are you uh, smelling around, around, around your life? He talks of a of the one story that I think will encourage you. He says he was preaching in, in, in his church. There was a guy who was deaf, as deaf as they come. But he noticed that this guy would just do something peculiar. 
when uh, when you when when Smith uh, would go up and start preaching, the guy would literally pull, bring his chair from behind, and, and you know start moving forward, you know, like this one meter, and then move again, you know, and then move again to slowly deaf as they come, and then and then and then until he got you got to the to the front. This happened for a couple of weeks, but he would come from the back, pull his chair, pull his chair forward, pull his chair. And then uh, the one time when, when, when Smith was, 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 uh, was, was ministering, he prayed for this guy. Prayed for this guy. Then he was told, oh, the guy is different. Prayed for this guy, but the guy did not get healed. Two weeks, did not get healed. But the guy, he did not stop. He stayed forward. He stayed forward. Then the one Sunday service, this is incredible. The one Sunday service, he then, uh, with, this was during uh, praise and worship. I don't know if they called it praise and worship that time, but a time of worship. And it wasn't even during ministry time. Apparently from nowhere during the worship time, the guy just suddenly storms out of the building, the tent, storms out of the, the tent and just runs to, to, towards the nearest mountain. And people were like, uh -uh, what's going on? And then when he got there, he turned around and discovered nobody was following him. Then he goes back into the service. And then he's asking, and then he, he, he basically, what had happened was that he had heard a loud sound that opened his ears. But because he had been deaf all his life, he had no conception of sound. He could not hear sound, if I could use that term. You know? But all these years, cheer forward. Cheer forward. Levels of faith. Levels of faith, levels of faith. And so I want to encourage us, I want to encourage us to, 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 re and you might think, oh, well, this is, you know, this great evangelist and, and, and this is what they used to do. Was speaking to a friend of mine about two, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, it was her birthday. And I know them, very good friends of mine, her and her, and, and her, hus and, and her husband. And I know they've, for, for a number of years, they've just been trusting God around finances in their home, finances in their family, especially with uh, one of the kids going to high school now, etc. You know, so I know their story. I know their story. She's a close friend of mine. And then as she related something to me that was extraordinary. This is one of some of you here, you know the person I'm talking of. And then she says, you know what, Vim? From the yellow, I don't think, it wasn't even the yellow, from the gray, you know. A friends of theirs, friends of theirs from overseas called them. And they were like, hey, hi, just want to find out quickly um, how much is outstanding on your bond. And then they tell them, and then end of January, this couple, friends of theirs, will live, in, will live somewhere overseas, paid off their house. Paid, I'm like, what kind of friends are these? I mean, you know, <laughs> for those of you who feel led to pay off my bond, please line up there after the service. But these are people like us. These are people like us. I was praying with Siri last week, you know, over a certain situation in her life. And she said to me, you know, you know what, Pastor Vim, this is the verse I'm standing on. This is the verse I'm standing on, irrespective of what's going on in my life. And you know what, Siri, I really believe that your time, your testimony is coming. Watch amongst us, guys. These things are going to be happening amongst us. Levels of faith. Amen. The third... Um, The third tool is develop a wineskin that sustains new dimensions in Christ. 
I like what it says in Mark 2, verse 21. No one sews a place of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wine that the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are, ru- are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine wineskins. Some of you have heard of the story of how, like during um, the the Jewish, basically what they would do because they used wineskins quite a lot. But sometimes what they would do is they wouldn't throw out an old wineskin, but they would take some form of oil, and it's believed it was uh, olive oil. They'll take that oil take the old wine skin and then rub in, rub in, rub it in into the, into the old wine skin. And then what that process would actually do was it would make the, the wine skin soft. It would actually create it into the type of material that would contain new wine. So it was almost as good as, as new. And I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask you, how supple are you to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life? How supple are you to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life? The fact of the matter is that new wine must be stored in new wineskins. New mindset must be followed by a new set of behaviors. By a new set of behaviors. You cannot attain a new dimension in Christ when you're still exhibiting old behaviors. So it's actually a mind shift. It's a, life sh- it's a lifestyle shift that we, we're talking about it. We cannot arise to new levels in Christ when you're still praying at the same level, reading the word at the same level, fasting at the same level. And some of you, have been, you know, haven't even started in that area. You know, fasting in the, in the same area. Some of you will remember a couple of weeks ago, we had a week of prayer and fasting. And then one of the, 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 the ladies in the Centurion Church, she posted something on, on a status, it was basically around being pushed and trying, you know, going to new dimensions, trying new things in the Lord. And then I called her and I said, you know what? Let's, 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 I want to challenge you in this thing. Because we are in a week of prayer and fasting, let's do something, you and me. And then I say to her, from Monday, we're going to pray, we're going to pray 30 minutes extra into however long we spend with the Lord in that day. So we started to do that. Then I said, you know, let's then on Thursday add another 30 minutes. On Wednesday, add another 30 minutes. Whether you choose to break it up in the day, what on, 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 on Thursday the same. By the time we got to Saturday, you know, it meant you had to be praying about three hours in that day. You know, but by the time I got to Wednesday, I was like, what did we do? You know, what, what exactly? But do you know what? The whole idea was pushing ourselves beyond our boundaries, pushing our spirit to, to do things that we've never done. I want to ask you, to what extent do you push? Do you push yourself? Tell yourself, you know what? I've never done this in the Lord, but I want to do it. I'm going to find somebody who will help me, who will encourage me as I do this, as I pursue this. Some of you will say, Vim, you know what? That sounds like I don't even know. You know, if I'm in a place to rise to new dimensions, find somebody who will walk with you and encourage you as, as you do this. Amen. My question to you is, what are you doing to push yourselves to new levels in Christ? And the fourth aspect is, walk in the fear 
of God. The fourth tool, walk in the fear of God. And when we talk about the fear of God, we're not necessarily talking about being afraid of God, you know, like kids are afraid of, 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 of monsters. <laughs> of monsters. When we're talking about the fear of God, we're talking about the honor of God. We're talking about revering the reverence of God. We're talking about holding God in, in awe. I love what it says in Psalm 86, verse 11b. It says, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. And what that tells me is that basically, you know, the psalmist is saying, I want everything within me to learn and to understand what it means to fear God. In Psalm 147, verse 11, it says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his, in his mercy. How many of you want the Lord to take pleasure in you? Then walk in the, in the fear of God. I love what it says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Mm. But in your hearts, not somewhere else, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Mm. But do this with gentleness and respect. Mm. My question to you is how deep is your fear of the Lord? To what extent? Do you revere God? Amen. The fifth tool I want to, to look at is we need to war according to prophecies received. We need to war according to prophecies received. In 1 Timothy 1, Timothy says to Paul, this charge I commit you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, that according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. What are the promises that have been previously made concerning, concerning your, your, your life. So this morning at 3.56 a.m., I walked into my sister's bedroom. And then I said, you know what? I'm reminded of something. You once visited our church in Centurion about two, three years ago. In that service, Pastor Paul gave you a prophecy. And part of the prophecy was around that you would sit on boards, corporate boards, and that you would be, a, uh, you would influence in your, in your, in your industry. And it's amazing, you know. If you get a chance, she'll tell you some of the things happening in her lives, in her, in, in her life. She's just been nominated on to, to sit on a certain council in her, in her industry. Is one of the key people. That, and I say to her, I shook her, and it's 3:56 a.m. I said, remember, this is part of it. This is part of it. Hold on. Hold on, wage war according, according to that prophecy. Some of you will remember on the, uh, I don't know if you remember the date, but you know, I looked for it. On the 12th of October 2018, 
Pastor Tracy visited our Joseph Friday meeting where we used to meet at uh, Ishe and um, at, their, at their house, 12 October 2018. And she prayed and gave this church, this church, a prophecy. And part of the prophecy was that she prophesied and she basically said this church would attract young professionals. This church, and no, no offense to you, don't feel young, etc. You know, you know, it would attract young professionals, young families. It'll be strong on discipleship that will be ascending our church. We would send churches from here. That was the prophecy. And as I remembered that, you know, these last couple of days, I said, you know, I want to hold on to that prophecy. That is how we rise to new dimensions in Christ. That is how we become different. That is how we trust God better. I want to ask you, what prophecies are you waging war um, towards? And I want to encourage you, do not, do not be, be discouraged, but continue to wage war according to those, to those things. 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the eldership. What are the gifts in your life that you have neglected? And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I want to encourage you to bring to remembrance the prophecies that God has given you, irrespective of what the natural climate around you looks like. I want to encourage you to stand on that word. I want to encourage you to hold on like never before. I want to encourage you to believe God that he will bring it to fruition for his word that he sends out does not return to him void, but it accomplishes those things that he has destined it for. I remember, you know, as I was thinking about it, I started writing, you know, certain remembering, certain prophecies about, about my, my life. And I was like, Lord, you know, I, it's just not about the husband. You know, I know when you, when you look at me, I, know, I, do, I, I do have prophecies that, that I haven't given over my life concerning other things. But anyway, moving right ahead. You know, and I said, I'm going to hold on to this, Lord. Some of the words are so daring that you're like, you know, but I said, God, I'm going to hold on. To these things i want to ask you this afternoon this morning what are the prophecies what's the word of god that you're holding on to i want to remind you even as i reminded you of that joseph church word i want to remind you to pray and believe god that those things will start seeing them in this very church we are tired of hearing miracles testimonies from other churches they must start right here we want to see and experience them i want us to stand as we make this declaration we're going to conclude with these with these yeah, declarations so we've looked at some of those tools aggressively desiring god more developing a life of unwavering faith developing a wineskin that sustains new dimensions in christ walking in the fear of god and warring according to prophecies received so I've, I've written down about 15 declarations. So for efficiency, what we're going to do is I'm going to read them out. And then as I read them out, your way of agreeing with me is you say amen. But you watch me so that you know when I finished. So I'll raise up the, my Bible, and then that's when you say amen. So I'll declare, and then amen. Okay, shall we do that? Let's take the next two or three minutes to do that. We decree and declare that we will be a church that aggressively desires and pursues more of God. Amen. 
We decree and declare that we will be a generation that walks in unwavering faith. Amen. I decree and declare that I will develop a wineskin that sustains new dimensions in Christ. Amen. I decree and declare that my heart will be united to fear the Lord. Amen. I decree and declare that the prophecies spoken over our church, God church, and over my life will come to fruition. I decree and declare that I will walk in greater dimensions of contrition, brokenness, and humility. We decree and declare that we will be a breed of God seekers always rising to new dimensions in Christ. We decree and declare that we will be a church that walks in greater dimensions of giving, gifts of healing, signs, wonders, and power. We decree and declare that we'll be a church that walks in the grace that shifts structures and systems and encounters God and His power. I decree and declare that I'll walk in greater dimensions of the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, counsel, mind, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. I decree and I declare that I'll walk in greater dimensions of hearing God and walking in His way, in His word. I decree and declare that I'll always reside in the sweet spot of the Lord. Amen. We decree and declare that we'll be a church that experiences the inferno of the Holy Spirit over our lives. Amen. I decree and declare that there will be the grace upon my life to emerge as a champion in all I do. Amen. We decree and declare that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ will forever be enthroned as king in this church and in our lives. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that we will walk and see those things happening in our minds?